plunge right in there. Um, we are talking about the will of God this morning. Paul says, among the many blessings with which God has blessed us is to know the will of God, that he has revealed that to us. And the way Paul states, states it is in verse 9. You can actually back up and take the last phrase of verse 8, which Paul says, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. I think that's a pretty good description of the will of God. It's a mystery to a lot of us. Not just on the grand scale where we look at things that are happening, we don't know how that fits into what God wants to accomplish. Not just that um, we, we look at events in our own lives and we, we're sort of con confused by it all and we wonder about it all. Not just that we're trying to discern what God would have us to do in a particular situation and, and uh, we're struggling to find an answer. It's not just that the will of God is a mystery to us in the sense that we can't understand it, but it is a mystery to us in that it is buried in the depths of the character and the nature of who God is. And the blessing that our Heavenly Father has shown us His will in His Word and in Christ. There are parts of the will of God that I'm glad are a mystery. Because if I could understand them, they, they, they just wouldn't be enough. You see, I'm glad that the love of God is actually a mystery. I don't understand how God could love someone like me. I don't understand how God would love a sinner. I don't understand how God would love someone who has done nothing but rebel and insult God, sometimes to his face and overtly. I don't understand that kind of love. But it's a mystery that God does love us, that even when we are enemies towards God, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. So I don't understand the mystery of the love of God. But I'm glad because that means the love of God is deeper and deeper and deeper than I could ever comprehend. I don't understand the mercy of God. I don't understand how it is that though we come to him and we profess that we love him, and then the next day we turn around and we do something against his, his commandments or we do something that is displeasing to him, we return to the old habits, we engage in the old things of the old life, and yet God in his mercy still wants us and still forgives us and still loves us, sends his Holy Spirit to convict us and to bring us back into himself. I don't understand the depths of that kind of, of mercy, but I'm glad I don't understand that kind of mercy because if I could understand mercy, it wouldn't be enough to be mercy for me. I don't understand the grace of God. I really don't. I don't understand why he would choose us. I don't understand why he would send his son to die for us. I don't understand grace that would give to us everything from heaven when we deserve nothing. I don't understand the grace of God, but I'm glad it's a mystery to me because the grace of God is so deep and so profound it covers every aspect of my life. I don't even understand myself. But the mystery of God's will, his love, his grace, his mercy for me, that is a cause for rejoicing and worship. So God says, I, I'm giving you the mystery of my will. 
There are things that are hidden there that I'm going to reveal to you. He shows us enough of his will. He gives us his guidance. Oh, do you, do you realize that the, the wonderful thing about this is that God himself shows us his will for our lives. And in showing us his will for us, he gives us the resources of the Holy Spirit to be obedient in our lives so that we can be pleasing to God. That's an amazing thing. So Paul says, in all wisdom and in all insight, God has set forth for us or he has made known to us the mystery of his will. And there are four things I want for us to know about the will of God this morning. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, I, I get that God has a will for the planet. I know that he has a will for the universe. I know that he has a will that covers all of history. But frankly, right now, what I'm struggling with is today in my life, in my little small corner of the world, what am I supposed to do? What about the will of God for my life? It might be a specific decision that you're thinking about. It might have to do with matters of health or matters of business or matters of family and relationship. And, and you know, all kinds of things. We have decisions that we need to make. And I want for us to know four things about God's will for our lives this morning. First off, Paul says that he has... Uh, made known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. God's will is according to God's purpose. And when you think about it, a purpose is always something bigger than you are that gives definition to your life. If your purpose is something very small, then it makes you small. If your purpose is something really great, then it makes you greater. The only purpose worthy of God is God. God is the purpose of God's will. We might illustrate that by looking at the Greek, if you, if you have your Greek text in front of you. But the, the, the word for purpose there is the word eudikia. And it's a word that means God's good pleasure. It is the, the things that makes God happy, if I can just be that, that uh, simplistic about it. But the purpose of God's will is God and his glory. The purpose of God's will is that we would be brought to and we would love him. You see, the purpose of God is that all creation would reflect back to God his own glory. Now, this isn't to say that, you know, God is up there and he's some kind of selfish little guy and he just, oh, I, I want glory, glory, glory. No, this just makes sense. God is infinitely glorious. And when we reflect his glory, we're fulfilling the reason we were created in the first place. God is infinitely holy. And when our lives have a, have a certain kind of holiness about it, it doesn't point to us, it doesn't point to our goodness, it simply points to the holiness of God. God is righteous. And when we are obedient to the commandments of God and when we live a life that is right with God, that's the meaning of righteous, when we live a life in obedience to God, then that kind of righteousness in us merely reflects back to God his own righteousness. That's why God always gets the praise, and he always gets the honor, and he always gets the glory. So the purpose of God's will is God. And so if you're saying this morning, I want to know God's will for my life. I want to know God's will about, about do I take a new job, or, or what about this relationship, or what about my family? What do I do with, with uh, um, the major decisions coming down the pike? And you're saying, what is God's will for my life? The first thing you have to understand is God's will for your life is that you be focused on God and that you be reflecting who God is in your life. Secondly, it says he's uh, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. 
You see, we see the purpose of God, who is God. We see the purpose of God in Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the Son of God. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And so it just makes sense. If you're going to know the will of God, God would give us that will and set it forth in Jesus Christ. That's, when, that's why when Christ came to people, he didn't say to them, um, you know, I'm here so that you might buy my book on five ways to be happy. He didn't come and say, I have a video series for you to buy and, and to incorporate into your life about how you can be more productive or how you can be more successful. When Jesus came to people, what did he say? He said, follow me. See, I, I had this, this sort of imagination in my mind, and it's not in the scripture, so don't quote me on it, but I, I, you know, I, I think it'll make a point. I was just imagining James and John in their fishing boats before Jesus came along, and, and they're in the fishing boats and saying, what do you think God's will is for our business? And James says, well, I, I think we really need to expand. We need to buy more boats and more nets and, and get more workers. And we need to just expand and, and leverage what we have so that we can be in front of the financial boom that's coming and, uh, and all these kinds of things. And this, this would be really great. That's what we need to do. And John says, well, no, I'm, I'm kind of feeling like we need to right-size, downsize. We need to make sure that we're more efficient and that we can, we can generate a profit and maybe show a dividend and, and those kinds of things. And so they're arguing back and forth. What is the will of God for us? And in the middle of that argument, along comes Jesus. And he says, guys, let me simplify this for you. Follow me. It's just that simple. Follow me. And they got up and they left their boats and they left their nets and they followed Jesus. I was imagining that a man named Levi is sitting at a table. He's a tax collector and he's bringing in an income for the Roman Empire. Not a, you know, un unlike today, tax collectors were not liked back then. And so Levi is, is, is at, the, at the table and as he's gathering the money, he's thinking to himself, you know, what is God's will for my retirement plan? You know? It's been going pretty good lately. I mean, last year we had just a great return, and this year we've lost all the returns that we got from last year, but hey, that's the market. Wait, that wasn't Levi. That was me. <laughs> I'm sorry. But anyway, so, so Levi's thinking about, you know, what do I do about retirement? How do I get my, my, my finances in order? Where should I invest? Where, sh where should I hold the money? Should I have savings? Should I have this? You know, he's thinking about all these things. And Jesus walks into the room and says, Levi, let me make this simple for you. Follow me. And he left his tables and his money and his income and his prestige. He left all that behind and he walked with Jesus and followed Jesus. There was a time when, when Andrew uh, was following or, or chasing after Jesus at this point. What, what, what happened was that uh, John the Baptist has seen Jesus on the, on the hill coming across the crest of the hill and says, look guys, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Andrew thought this was a pretty good thing. So he and a fellow uh, follower of John the Baptist, they ran after Jesus. They were running after Jesus. And Jesus turns around and says, what do you guys want? And they said, we want to know where you're staying, Jesus. We want to know where you are so that we can sort of get your insight and then go back to John the Baptist and get his insight. We want to do all, all those kinds of things. We, we want to juggle this all around. Jesus says, wait, 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 wait. Let me simplify this for you. You come and see. You just come and see. And from that moment on, Andrew was a follower 
of Jesus Christ. You see, the will of God is set forth in Jesus Christ. You want to know the will of God? You've got to know the Son. You've got to know Jesus in your life. That's why when you're saying, God, what, what's, what's your will for me in terms of my relationships in my home, my family, or, or business? You know, how should I relate to people? What is your will in this relationship? And you see that in Jesus Christ, who loved without limit, who forgave ridiculously, who offered possibilities to people that they could never have before. And Jesus, who did not think that his status as the Son of God in heaven, deity, God himself, was something to be clutched, but rather he emptied himself and became a servant and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. If you're thinking about, you know, what, God, you know, what, what is your plan for my finances? What is God's will for, for money in my life? You find that in Jesus Christ who said, look, if you're going to concentrate your life on amassing wealth, you're nuts because you're going to lose it all. But lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. Because where your heart is, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. So all these things, you, you say, you know, what is God's will for my life in whatever area? Just look at Jesus. Follow Jesus because the will of God is set forth. It's given to us in Jesus Christ. And then Paul goes on to say, verse 10, it was set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. A plan for the fullness of time. You know, I was reading some um, philosophers of history this week, and lest you think that this is something that I enjoy, I was doing it for the sermon, okay? I was working at the time. Because <laughs> I, knew, I, I knew what I would find. So, so I, I did massive research in that uh, pinnacle of all knowledge and the collection of all truth. I went to Google, <laughs> and, I, and I just typed in, you know, what, you know, what is the meaning of history? And I started reading what people had to say, and, and a number of, of historians were saying there is no meaning to history. In fact, one guy, basically what he said was, history has no point, it has no meaning. All we do is we go from one disaster to another, from one catastrophe to the next catastrophe. All we can look forward to is, is devastation in the, in the course of history. And there's nothing to learn, and there's nothing that we can learn. It is just a pointless progression of devastation and disaster. And I just wanted to reach through the screen and grab him by the pixel and, and say, <laughs> Look, you don't know Jesus, do you? You don't know that God has shown his will for all time, that his will covers the fullness of time. His will covers the past and the present and the future. That's why we sing things, well, you don't, but I do, sing things like, oh, God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Be thou our God while life shall last uh, until we come what, to our eternal home. Um, the, the, it's all in there. But God is our help in the past, in our future, and he's our help right now, you see. The Bible says that God set forth a plan for the fullness of time, and that time includes our moments today. Now, there's something really comforting in knowing that, yeah, God, God has a plan for history. We read about it in the last chapter of the Bible, last book of the Bible, you know, some of you, when you buy a book, you go and you read the last chapter to see how it turns out. 
Um, and and uh, that, that's fine. I've read the last chapter. Here it is. God wins. You know, God wins. That means all the guys who are telling you that, that bigotry and, and, and prejudice and hatred uh, are okay, they're going to lose. That, that, that tells you that all the people who said that materialism and amassing of stuff and power and, and self-aggrandizement is the way to go, they're going to lose. That means all the nations and all the empires and all the kingdoms that have ever said that they were great on their own and there was no need for the true and living God, they're going to lose. Because when it is all said and done in the fullness of time, God wins. God wins. And so Paul, and that's the third thing you need to know about it, is that the will of God has to do with God winning throughout history, and it takes place even in your own life. And the fourth thing about it is this. His will is to unite all things in him, that is, in Christ. Now that word for unite is a word that means to bring everything together under one head, under one authority. The authority is the Lord Jesus Christ. And all creation is being brought under the authority of God. What that means is one day all creation will be one. We will be united in our worship because every single solitary knee in the universe is going to bow. We're going to be united in our confession because every single solitary tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we're going to be united in our purpose because every single heart is going to be given to the glory of God the Father. You see, God is bringing everything together, and that is the ultimate goal. And you, you want to know the will for your life. If nothing else, I can tell you this. The goal, the will that, that God has for your life is that you would glorify God the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that will touch every area of your life. That's why we say around here the most practical thing you can do in any situation with every decision is to live for the glory of God. And so Paul says we have this blessing. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing from the heavenly places. And among those is the election of God, the, the predestination to adoption as, as his children, that the Son has redeemed us, he's forgiven our sins, and now he has shown us and revealed to us the mystery of his will. So what do we do with that? You know, what do we do? you got a decision you need to make. Something's hanging over your head or some, some issue is, is, is really something you're struggling with what, right now. Um, let me just offer, in the light of what we just read, just a few suggestions, can I? Say yes or I don't go on. Okay, thank you, thank you. <laughs> you got a decision to make. First of all, spend time in prayer. Spend time in prayer. It doesn't make any sense to say, I want to know God's will, but I'm not going to talk to God about it. You know, when we do that, we're just saying, I want God to agree with my will. But spend time in prayer because that's how you connect up with God and that's whose will we're after right now. So spend time in prayer. And when you do, start out and just be, just adore and worship God. Worship the Father through the Son. Worship in the, in the glory and in the, in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. Worship God first of all because that puts everything into perspective. Start out by worshiping God and just recognizing his infinite goodness, his infinite worth. Recognize that he alone merits absolutely our full, total, and complete 
obedience. You start out by worshiping God so that God will be put at the very focus of things. You'll be surprised, by the way, how that'll change the way you're looking at your life. See, right now you're looking at things and you're saying, what's, what's the most important thing? Well, well, it's, it's, it's my bank account or it's my health or it's my family or this. Most important thing in your life is God. So spend time in prayer, and when you do, worship and adore him. And then, as you pray, confess your sins. See, sin is rebellion against God. We talked about that last week, I think it was. Whatever it was, we talked about it. And uh, sin is rebellion against God or indifference to his will. Sin is where we say, God, I don't want your will. And so if I'm living a life that says, I don't want God's will, it doesn't make much sense for me to say, God, I want this part of your will, but leave the rest out. Sometimes God, by his grace, will actually, you know, guide us, you know, in spite of our sin. But it just makes sense. Confess your sin before God. Confess your sin. You don't have to be perfect before God will show you his will. But we sure um, can, uh, can clear the channels of communication. Confess your sins so that, so that um, there, there's none of that, that willfulness and that self-centeredness that sin is getting in the way of listening to God uh, speaking to you. So confess your sin and then thank God. Thank God while you're praying. And, and here's how that helps know the will of God. A lot of times when we're trying to make a decision, uh, we're looking at things and we're complaining. We're complaining about everything that's gone on. We're complaining about our life. We're complaining about what the, the, the people, uh, the situation. We're complaining, complaining, complaining. And if you stop and thank God, it puts that in a better perspective. Yeah, and there might be some, some things going on, but if you start thanking God, his, he, he'll just lead you to realize there's a bunch of stuff in your life already where he is proving his grace, mercy, and love towards you. You know, be thanking God every day. So, but as you're looking for the will of God, thank God because then you'll see the things he's already given you. And then thank God and you'll see, realize maybe I don't need the things that, I, that I've, I think I want. It'll put everything in perspective. So be sure and thank God. And then just plain ask him. Spend time asking God for his will. And here's, here's how I think that, that benefits us. There's some things when you go before God and you ask for them, you just feel silly. You know, you just feel silly because you realize you're asking for something that God absolutely doesn't want or, or, or something that's so inconsequential. And God's saying, you know, ask me for what I can do in your life. And all we're saying is, I want a blue sports car. Now, God in grace might give you a blue sports car, if he does, he means for you to let me drive it. Uh, the <laughs> word of the Lord, I've just, just had, you know, okay, hallelujah. <laughs> I don't know why that occurred to me. But the, the, the thing is, you know, sometimes you go and you'll ask God for, for dumb stuff, and it's only when you get to the point of saying, God, here's what I want, you realize, you know, God, that's pretty dumb, isn't it? That, that really doesn't make sense, does it? Sometimes we're asking for sinful things, and... Uh, um, when we do that before God, we realize, I'm asking God to violate his own righteousness. I can't do that. So be sure and just, just plain ask God. By the way, the other thing it does is 
it, it makes you focus what the, what the problem is, what the, what the decision really is as you try to articulate and put it into words before God. So those things, spend time in prayer. Adore him and confess your sins and thank him and, and, and just ask him uh, for guidance in your will. So spend time in prayer. Secondly, spend time in the word. Spend time in the word of God. There's a lot about the will of God that we don't know. There's a lot about the will of God that, that's a mystery. There's a lot about the will of God that we, that, that's just sort of beyond us, and, and we really can't comprehend it. But there's a lot about the word of God that he's given to us, about the will of God that he's given to us in his word that we already understand, and we know that we ought to do it. See, if you've got a decision to make, the first thing you want to say is, is there something in God's word in the Bible that specifically addresses this need? Because God's not going to contradict himself. He's not going to tell you one thing in the Bible and something else in your head. In fact, if he tells you anything in your head, go right back to the Bible and find out if it's there, if it's compatible with God's word. So spend time in the word because God's not going to contradict himself. Years and years ago, we were back in the old building. That means nothing to more and more of you. But uh, we, were, we were in the old building down in, in the Best Buy Baptist Church. And... <laughs> And the guy came in off the street. He, he said, can I talk to you? I said, sure, you can talk to me. He said, well, I've got a problem. Oh, <laughs> I'm your man. Okay. <laughs> he said, my live-in girlfriend wants to leave me and go back to her husband. And I don't know what to do. I know she's the right woman for me because before I went in the bar where I met her, I prayed that God would give me a woman. I wish I could make this up. Okay. I'm going to give you a confession right now. I did not stop and pray. I did not stop and say, oh, God, what is the right answer for this man? You know, I've, I've taken counseling courses. I must have failed them because I didn't ask him, how do you feel? What are your options? What are go what's going to happen? I think I just blurted out. I said, look, there's no way God wants you to live with another man's wife. That's just contrary to his word. This is a no-brainer, which evidently suits you because you have... <laughs> I didn't really say that, but I, I, I wish I had. <laughs> but what's in God's word is not going to change. It's not going to change for other people, and it's not going to change for you. So spend time in God's word. And then spend time in conversation. And what I mean by this is spend time talking to people who love God, love Christ, and love you. Spend time with people who are in touch with, with the Father and, and are, are, are you know, sympathetic to the notion that, well, God's will really is what we're after here. But then they also love you and they know you. You see, the, your very best friends, the people who love you the most, will tell you the truth even if it hurts but they will tell you very, very gently. Uh, okay. And they won't tell you over and over and over again. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. But be in conversation with other believers. Let the Holy Spirit through them talk to you. Uh, be in, be in, in, in conversation with, with experts on, on, on the subject matter. If you have a health um, issue that, that you're dealing with, uh, have a conversation with people who know things about the medical sciences. I mean, that, that just makes sense. And if they won't schedule an appointment, uh, go, go to the Internet. Go, you know, but, uh, 
you know, like WebMD, I mean, that, I think that's the Harvard Medical School. You know, go to something reliable, you know, uh, not the starship, uh, you know, thing. But, uh, you know, but find reliable information. Have a conversation with other people who know something about the situation, who know you, who will tell you the truth, and who are, who are in your corner, and they want you to do the will of God. Have a conversation. Spend time in conversation. And then lastly, um, just spend time making the decision. I know nothing about fishing. That's right. You can take every fish I ever caught, lay it end to end, and it will be that long. <laughs> I caught it in, in some lake in Rhode Island or stream in Rhode Island, and that was it. That's, and I've cleaned fish, but I don't catch fish. But I do know this. There comes a point in which you either have to fish or cut bait. You, know, you just have to go one way or the other. And at some point you say, Lord, as far as I, I know, as best I understand it, your will for me is to go in this direction. Father, that's, that's the direction I'm going in. Send me correction. Send me reproof. Send me a, a, a signal that I'm, I'm getting that wrong. In fact, I, what I counsel a lot of people is when you make a major decision, just live with it for a week or so. You know, go through every part of your week and at every juncture say, well, how would this moment in my life be affected if I implement that decision? You know, if I, if I take that other job or if we move to that other state, you know, what would be going on right now in, in this arena of life? And, and just sort of live with it and let the Holy Spirit show you some things you didn't know and, and, and just, just let the Holy Spirit work on that decision. But, but make a decision and yield it to God and be open to correction and reproof. This will surprise you. Every now and then you'll make a mistake. But God is bigger than that. And he's able to take all the mistakes we've ever made and, and, and work them out as long as we are following him as best able. And so those just real quick four things. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in the word. Spend time in conversation. Spend time and make the decision. And when you do that, you'll, you'll find out that when Paul says, God has made known to us the mystery of his will. It's not just that, that big cosmic thing, but it's also in our lives every day that he shows us his will for our lives, that we can live lives that please him, that have the purpose that is God's purpose, and that is God himself and his glory. And when we do that, we'll know the blessings of God the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit as he blesses us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Let's bow together in prayer. And Father in heaven, we're just so thankful that you speak to us at all. But then just even more thankful that you give us understanding by the gift and the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then just even more thankful that you give us the resources and the power to live obedient lives as you unfold your will for us. And so, Father, I ask again for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit and for an openness in our hearts to your leadership and a commitment to your will that you would be glorified through the Son. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.